He's come back to us. I know. I couldn't believe it. When I saw him for the first time, I could not believe my eyes. It's Moses, my brother. We thought he was dead. He was gone for so long. Forty years, Pharaoh was seeking his life. He was charged with, with murder and with treason. And then he was gone. But it was God's will to keep him alive, to save him. Let me tell you, Moses said that God is going to deliver us from Egypt. He showed me amazing things, miracles. But I am so afraid. He says that God has given him power to, to prove his message. I know if we say these things to Pharaoh, he will not be pleased. Our people are helpless. We have no authority here in Egypt. What if we're killed? And Moses seems so sure. But I can't help but think, is this really God's will? Well, good morning, everyone. I'm excited to be with you here this morning. We're continuing in our series called Into the Wilderness. And we're going to be talking about Moses today. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited to get to dive into God's word with you here this morning. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Exodus. And we have moved on from Genesis, and now we're going right into Exodus. So we're going to have a great time this morning. I'm so excited for what God wants to teach us and show us this morning. Moses. Wow, talk about an epic, epic storyline. I mean, probably one of the most... Uh, large, looming characters in all of Holy Writ. He really has an epic story. It has uh, intrigue in there. He is, he's exiled, right? Then he meets with God in the burning bush. There's wonderful miracles that God uh, exhibits through him and that he gets to see God do. Ultimately, this all culminates in Moses leading an epic deliverance like, this is crazy. How many of you guys have seen, I got just got to stop here a second. How many of you guys have seen uh, the animated movie of Moses? How many, what's the name of that movie again? It escapes my mind. Was it? Prince of Egypt. You all need to, how many of you guys? Raise your hand. Oh, first service? Like, nobody saw it. So you guys are awesome. If you have not seen it, join the rest of us, man. It was so great. It's an incredible journey. The music's awesome, and it's just great. But um, all of this epicness culminates in Moses leading his people up out of the land of Egypt. And, you know, these plagues, he leads them out, right? Uh, they cross through the Red Sea, and then it destroys Pharaoh's army behind them. This is a deliverance that was given by God, and it will forever mark God's people. And you see echoes of it all the way through, through the Old Testament and all the way through to the New Testament. If you have a Bible, again, we're going to be in Exodus. Now, as you turn there, and as I was reading it, um, I just was um, impressed. And as I read, read through the book of Genesis and just read Moses' story, you know, Moses, he's given God's will. And then he interacts, first of all, he has tons of doubts himself. And we'll see that here in just a second as we dive in. Then he ends up talking to uh, his brother Aaron. 
and Aaron comes with him. He ends up talking to God's people, and they're so unsure, but they kind of go with him. He talks to Pharaoh, right? There's all this, and this is this interaction, and I believe Moses grows in boldness throughout this journey, that he hears God's will, and then after a while, he accepts it, and then he grows in boldness, and then God uses this, and it's this communication of God's will. And that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you guys about this morning. I wanted to give you my big idea just right off the bat. And the big idea is that God, we have a wondrous God, and he wants us to live into the will that he has for us. Just like Moses lived into the will that God had for his people and that he was going to do through Moses, he lived into that. God wants us to live into his will for us in our lives. Now, on top of all this, you ask, like, when does God speak to Moses? And this just fits right into our series of Into the Wilderness. We're, we've been going through uh, multiple characters and the interactions that they have and the struggles that they have um, as they walk with God through the wilderness. And Moses is no exception. He really has a proper arc where he comes out of Egypt and then he re-enters and God does some amazing things. What does God do? Well, God shows him his will of all places, right? He was in the palace of of Pharaoh, but of all places, God reveals his will to him in the wilderness. Isn't that so cool? And I thought, I just was thinking about this. I was like, God, you mean of all the places, of all the things, of all the ways you revealed your will to Moses in the wilderness? Yeah, God would do it there. And actually, that's one of God's favorite places to speak to you and to reveal to you what God wants to do in your life. Because of all places, that's probably the place he has your attention the most is in the wilderness. I want to ask you this question today. Are you in a place of wilderness in your life? It can be extremely uh, discouraging. I just have this written down. But what if during this time in your life, God wants to speak to you? What if of all places... It's in the wilderness that God wants to make known to you his will and his plan for your life going forward. I believe God wants us to know his will for our lives. I don't think he wants to hide it from us. He doesn't want to keep his will from us. He's not hiding it. God wants us to know his will and so that we can live into that will that he's calling us into. So again, my big idea is you and I need to live into God's will for our life. Now, we're going to jump into Exodus here. Now, it's going to be story time with Eric because we're going to really chunk through a lot of this. Uh, We're going to be reading a lot. Now, as we go through the story of Moses, and I set set the the table with all the things that are happening to God's people, their slaves in Egypt and how that happened, and then the birth of Moses and exactly what happened here, I want you to come back to two things. And I'll stop at certain points and I'll ask you, okay, does this section... Do one of these two things jump out to you? They are this. The first one is God's hidden will. We're talking about God's will for us this morning. And so I stole these ideas from R.C. Sproul. So he is awesome, incredible man of God that I absolutely love. Um, The first one that I want you to look for as we read is God's hidden will. God's hidden will. Now, this is the aspect where God knows the future. Uh, A question that I've asked students in student life several times is, if you could pray to God and he could tell you that how you're going to die and when you're going to do it, would you do it, right? This is God's hidden will. This is the future, right? If you're a young person, this is like, God, who am I going to marry? I need to know, you know. I need to know who's the one, right? This is God's hidden will. And the hard thing is we don't know God's hidden will. 
What's cool is, as we read Moses, God, God shows him his hidden will. But that's not necessarily normative for us. But there's this aspect, and you'll see it as we read, and it's cool because, man, sometimes I look at biblical figures, and I'm like, oh, why'd you do that? Don't you know, like, at the next page, God is going to do this and this and this? Like, why'd you do that? That's so silly. But they didn't know because it was hidden to them, because God knows the end from the beginning. You also, there's an aspect where God's will is hidden to you when it comes to the future. But the other thing that I want you to think about as we read is God's prescriptive will. This is all of his commands in his word. Now, God has a plan for us in the future, but God also has a will for us that we would walk with him, that we would walk in his ways. And so, uh, for an example, um, last night I was hanging out with my family and I was holding, I was following God's prescriptive will, I was hanging out with my kids, right? I was holding my four-month-old Navy in my hands, and we were having a great time. I was walking around the house, and I sat down on the couch. So I was, doing, I was being a good father, right? I was doing God's prescriptive will. But what happened was, I didn't know that this was going to happen, but she had a massive blowout. It went all over my sweatshirt. It went up the back, out the legs, everywhere. I was like, oh, my goodness, God, I had no idea that you were going to do that. That's God's hidden will, okay? That's what that is, okay? Right? We probably all have things like that in our life, right? Oh, thank you, God. I didn't see that one coming. That's God's hidden will. But isn't it true? With that one, hindsight's 2020. okay? God's prescriptive will, walking with him. We don't need, we got, we know that, right? We've been walking with God. We know our Bibles. We know what God's called us to do. But then God's hidden will, okay? All right, let's jump in. Exodus chapter one. Are you guys ready? Okay, good. That sounded confident. Okay, Exodus chapter 1 says this. These are the names of the son of Israel, of the sons of Israel, who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. They were Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, all the descendants of Jacob. They, uh, all the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all of his brothers, and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong in the land so that it was filled with them. Here's a question. Here in this passage, does this exhibit a lot of God's hidden will or his prescriptive will? I would say, well, this is just story. This is setting the scene. God knew that this was going to happen. This was God's hidden will, I would say. Um... And this is the connection, what's really cool is, this flows right from Exodus, this is Scott. Um, Scott last week talked about Joseph, and Joseph was used to provide for uh, his brothers, and for Israel, uh, Jacob was renamed into Israel, and now that they were provided for, they all come into Egypt. So if you ask the question, how did they become slaves in Egypt? This is how they moved there. And they just went there, and they were with Joseph, and it was good until... Time passed. Let's continue on. Next section, verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph and said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. Question, 
Is this God's hidden will or his prescriptive will? I would say not so much his prescriptive will. I would say this is his hidden will. This is the story of what happened, right? Hindsight's 2020. And, and here we are. We're reading the story. We got the bird's eye view of it happening. This is more of just the story, more of God's hidden will. Let's go to the next section. Verse 15, skipping ahead just a tiny bit. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Sephora and the other one Pua, and, or in rather, verse 16 it says, then you, or when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. So this is Pharaoh talking, instructing them. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God, feared God, and did not do what the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, and they're vigorous and they give birth before the midwives come to them. That was their excuse. Verse 20. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Wow, blessing to the midwives. Wow, that's great. Then Pharaoh commanded all of his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, and you shall let every daughter live. Okay, very interesting. This is a very different portion here. Here's the question. Does this have God's hidden will in here, in this passage, or God's prescriptive will in this? I'd say this is the first passage that it has some of both. Obviously, this describes the pain and suffering that God's people were going through while they were slaves in Egypt. But this is also the famous passage about the Hebrew midwives. And controversial for some, because they say, oh, were they lying to Pharaoh? Why weren't they obeying this truly is one of the hardest things that I um, struggle with and that I think all Christians to some degree struggle with. Here you have these midwives and you have a clear, their superior is telling them to do something that is immoral. What do you do? I would say they did what was right. And obviously the Bible says that they did what was right because it says in verse 20, so God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Wow. So they feared God rather than feared this Pharaoh figure in their life. You know, it's so true that God calls us to submit to the authorities that he put over us. Maybe a boss, maybe um, somebody in your life, um, whatever it is. Even, even, you know, bigger things like our state and stuff like that, you know. We're to submit to those as Christians. But there's also true, so that's true on one hand, but it's also true on the other hand, if they command you or a Christian to do something that is against God's will, we should not obey. We should not obey. We should fear God more than we fear man. And as you see, God blessed those people. So here we've got, I would say, a great example of God's prescriptive will. That these guys, they didn't know what was going to happen, right? Imagine the fear that came over the midwives. They were probably afraid for their lives. Here we got Pharaoh, the king of the land, has all these armies, these soldiers. I'm not even sure what was going on, right? These taskmasters. And here, these, these poor little midwives, midwives were standing up, being a little deceptive against the king of Egypt. 
And they did it. Pretty cool, huh? Love that story. So there's some prescriptive will, and also this rolls right into the birth of Moses. Let's keep going. Now we're in chapter 2. This is the proper, this is right where Moses is born in the story. Verse 2, chapter 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his, as a wife, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was, fine, he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took him, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. Um, she put the child in it and placed it amongst the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river. And while her, while her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, Is this one of the Hebrews' children? Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. What's really cool is Moses' mom got a chance to come back and like hang out with her son for a while longer. What a blessing, huh? Let's keep going. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Wow. Wonderful passage, right? This is epic stuff. Question, does this describe God's prescriptive will or his hidden will? Say there's definitely aspects. I would say aspects of both, maybe a little bit more on the hidden will side. God's showing the story of his providential care of Moses when he's put in the river and the daughter of Pharaoh finds him. Wow, incredible. This was not by happen chance. God willed for this to happen. But also you have the prescriptive will in the sense that his, Moses' mom was trying to do right by him and was trying to protect him from Pharaoh and didn't want her son to die. Also, she must have been scared for her own life. What, what would happen if a soldier came by and heard the cry of her, her child in her house as she was trying to take care of it? Her life was at risk too. So she was trying to do as best as she could with her child. Incredible. Okay, now the tape fast forwards and now we've got Moses as a man. And this is a very interesting passage of scripture. And this is where Moses goes on his ark into the wilderness. Let's start in verse 11. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Wow. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And when he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Oh, some sarcasm there. Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. 
This is a very interesting passage of scripture. This is what caused him to go on this journey in the wilderness. You definitely have God's hidden will here. And you definitely have a struggle with, man, what was Moses supposed to do in that situation? Hard situation, difficult situation. You have Moses who began to identify with his people. An interesting cross-reference that I encourage you to look at. If you write this down, look up Hebrews chapter 11 and the hall of faith. And here they talk about this exact situation. But Moses began to identify with his people, right? He was raised in Pharaoh's household, but he identifies with his people and says, I, you can almost picture it in your mind's eye. He sees a, um, an Egyptian treating God's people very badly, and you can, see, he, you can feel it. He gets filled with rage, and he kills that man. Prescriptive will. What should he have done? Definitely the Bible is against murder, the, the Bible claims against murder. So, it, you know, you could take this as um, this was him in a fleshly rage, right? He sinned, and then that caused him to run away. Or you could say he was defending his people, and the people didn't quite understand, and so he fled at this time, but would later return. Commentators are on both sides of that issue. But think about that. Here you've got the prescriptive will of God and the hidden will of God. Okay. I've got two more sections for us. We're going to keep chunking through. I know this is a lot, but this is setting the stage. And really, guys, you know, we can apply this to so many areas of our life. We, I just have to say this, we are not Moses, right? We shouldn't expect for God to speak to us through a burning bush, but God has certain seasons for us. He sends us out into the wilderness. Sometimes we're having a great time, but we need to ask God, God, what, what is your will for me, Okay. Okay, let's go now to verse 23. Verse 23 says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, so the, the Pharaoh that was pursuing him now passes away. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered their covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew I love this. I'd say, is this uh, his hidden will or prescriptive will? I'd say it's both. Here you've got the fullness of them crying out to God. They're in slavery, and God decides to act. So you definitely have his hidden will here. We're getting to see things from, you know, 10,000 feet up. We're looking down, and we're seeing everything happen. But at the same time, I'd say there's a little bit of prescriptive in here. They're praying to God. They're crying out to him. Just like when we go through a terrible situation, we should pray to God, and we should cry out to him should walk with him through that hard situation. Okay, now let's get to the golden passage the, um, when, when God appears to him in the burning bush. And this is where God meets with him. So Moses has gone for a long time, gone for 40 years out in the wilderness. Let's catch up to him as he's out there and where God catches up with him as well. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the brush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning but was not consumed. Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him from the bush, 
Moses, Moses. He said, here am I. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. This would have been incredible, right? And God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Hidden or prescriptive? I'd say this is God's hidden will, man. He's revealing him. This would be wonderful, right? This is what, man, God, I would love if you did this in my life. Just tell me everything that's going to happen, right? It doesn't happen that way for us as much. Now the last section, and this is really the central part of this whole thing. God's revealing his will to Moses while he's in the wilderness. Verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel up out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Wow. Here we are. Okay. We've arrived. We've had some story time. In this last section, prescriptive will, hidden will, throughout this whole thing, prescriptive will, hidden will. At this point, we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about our big idea and how it connects. And I want to give you guys three points when it comes to we should be all in for living for God and for living his will for our life. Here we have Moses in the wilderness. He's been exiled and now he's hearing from God. I want to ask you, some of you are in the wilderness now because of somebody else's choice. This is something, you know, that we've talked about over the last several weeks. Somebody else's choice, this would be like Noah. It was a sin, sin of the people that brought him into the wilderness. Maybe that's you. Maybe somebody sinned against you. It wasn't your choice, somebody else's choice, and you're in the wilderness now in your life. I want to start connecting these dots, okay? Moses, my own life. Maybe some of you are in the wilderness because of your own sin, because of your own sin. Uh, maybe God is bringing you under his loving discipline. And um, you did something wrong and he's trying to speak to you. He's trying to tell you, hey, he's trying to teach you something. Are we listening? Some of you might be in the wilderness because of God's testing and God's refinement. But wherever you're there, God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. In the wilderness, God wants to speak to you. And we can't miss it. And sometimes it's in the wilderness when we feel alone, when we feel depressed, when we feel like everything's gone that once was sure in our life, that all of those things are taken away, that God wants to speak to us in those places. And we cannot miss this, guys. God wants to live into, God wants us to live into his will for us. So I've got three points here as we think about Moses, we think about our lives. God wants us to live into his will for us. The first point is this. The future is for prayer, the future, the hidden will of God, the future is for prayer, and obedience to God is the dare. Let me say that again. The future is for prayer, and obedience to God is the dare. You know, it's so interesting when you read this story, I'm sure Moses was afraid. The, mid, the, the Hebrew midwives were afraid. God is telling Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh. Just imagine this, okay? Just imagine this, right? Moses knew Pharaoh. He knew the power of Egypt. He knew the boot that his people were under in the land of Egypt. He knew that. 
and Moses was going to go talk to Pharaoh, appear before him with a staff, and he was going to show up there with his brother Aaron and say, let my people go, or these plagues are going to come. Come on, God. This is insane. But you know what? Moses struggles with God a little bit, and if we would have read on a little bit more, again, I said this earlier, but Moses makes all these excuses. Oh, I'm not a good talker. Oh, man, uh, what if they don't believe? What if the people don't follow me? And God gets a little angry and says, well, Aaron will help you. The future, guys, and this is the thing. Moses was struggling with the future. You and I, we struggle with the future. We don't know what's around the corner. That's for prayer. The future is for prayer and for a leaning on God and a trusting in God. But obedience to God is the dare. That's the dare for you and me. I dare you guys, just do what God's called you to do actually do it. Uh, there's been many things that God's put on my heart that I felt like, man, God, I need to do this, and I did it right away. There's been many th- times where I've known what God wanted me to do, and I put it on the back burner. I did not do it quickly. Moses struggled with the same thing. Obedience to God is the dare. Guys, you'll never, you'll never regret living for God. I have this written down on this same point here. God I don't know what's going to happen with blank, but I will walk with you through it. Let me say that again. God, I don't know what's going to happen with blank, but I want to walk with you through it. You can put whatever you want in in that blank. God, I don't know what's going to happen with my health, but but I'm going to walk with you through it. God, I don't know what's going to happen with my job, but I'm going to walk with you through it. God, I don't know what's going to happen with my child, but I'm going to walk with you through it. God, if you're younger in here, I don't know what's going to happen with a dating relationship or my future spouse, but I'm going to walk with you through it. Do you hear this? The future, guys, we don't know. Young ladies in here, just throw this out here. This happened in college. If a young man comes up to you and says, God told me that you're the one, run away from that guy, right? He doesn't know. Don't let him manipulate you like that. That's like a classic Bible school college trick, right? That guys would pull. Oh, God told me that we're supposed to be together, right? And the girl's like, what do I say to that? <laughs> God says that we're supposed to be together. This feels a little weird. I feel a little manipulated, but okay, well, let's go on a couple dates, right? Yikes. We don't know the future. That's what makes it hard. Only God knows the future. But make sure to walk with God through it. Guys, we don't know who our future spouse will be, but we know that God wants us to be pure before marriage. Guys, we don't know what it's going to be like if we say this and we tell our friend about the gospel, we share with them about who Jesus Christ is, but we're going to be faithful and we're going to walk through it. Does that make sense? The future is for prayer, but obedience to God is the dare. One last thing on this point. God's hidden will, we should have an open hand, right? We don't know where we're going to live in five years. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know if our health gives out or whatever it is. We don't know. You hold it in an open hand. You just pray God. And you bless God. You're thankful for what he's given you right now. But with a closed hand, you hold on to his prescriptive will. You hold on to Jesus Christ. You're faithful to him. Amen? The future is for prayer, and obedience to God is the dare. We're talking about God wanting us to live into his will for our life. Here's the second point. As we walk through the wilderness, are we asking this question? God, what are you trying to teach me through this? What are you trying to teach me through this? 
Man, I miss this so many times. I look back, I'm like, oh, God, you're trying to hit me in the face with, this is what I'm trying to tell you. But I wasn't looking, I wasn't asking the question, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? Moses, I'm sure, learned so much through the trials that God brought him through, right? Moses would go back from this wilderness experience and would go and deliver his people. How much did he learn through all those things? How much did he learn from God in the wilderness? But he would have missed it all if he wouldn't have been open to God's will for his life. And he wouldn't have asked this question, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? Here's a little example. Uh, back when I was in high school, I arrived late home past my curfew and that my parents set for me. And I was hanging out with friends and was having a great time. I arrived home, went into the garage, tried to open the door. It was locked. Dun, dun, dun. My parents were not pleased. And so I knocked on the door a few times and I realized they were not coming to the door for a while. They wanted me to hang out outside for a little bit. Now, some of us students need to take this to heart, that we need to ask this question, God, what are you trying to teach me through this, right? There's a little reproof happening, right? A little bit of discipline, okay, right? But students, are you asking, God, what do you want me to learn through this? You know what's so interesting? I think that this is a very huge truth, that God teaches us how to honor and learn from our parents so that we might better be able to honor and learn from him. Sometimes these things get... Uh, switched around, that people learn to ask, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? But they never learn to ask, God, what are you trying to teach me through my parents and what they're trying to teach me through this? Hugely important. God wants to speak to us, but are we listening? Are we going to miss what he's talking about? Are we going to miss knowing God's will for us? Uh, Scott brought this up, and I think that this is great. We need to realize that God wants to use all things for our good, no matter what it is. All things for our good. Whether it's an evil thing, guess what? God wants to use it for good. Everything, good thing, God wants to use it for, his, for our good. We just have to ask that question, though. We have to be open to it. And the last one is, don't be in such a hurry to, to get to out of the wilderness or, you know, oh, those were the days, whatever. There is beauty for God, and there's beauty in your life in the in-between. You're going to get there one day. You're going to come out of the wilderness, but don't miss where God wants to meet you right here, right now. God wants us to live into his will for us. The last one is this. I was just so excited. God, uh, what's, the, what's the Jesus tie-in here? Where, where can I go and talk about Christ, right? The third point is this. As we branch from Moses, we look at ourselves and we branch over now to Jesus Christ. Christ is our example in living into God's, work, God's will. Christ is our example in living into God's will. You know what's so cool is? Jesus walked according to everything that his father did. He said, I don't do anything of my own accord. I follow him. I follow my father in everything. He was living according to God's will. And Jesus was willing to give everything for God's will. I wanted to share a passage from the New Testament. And this one, this passage, is one of my favorites. It is incredible. I just, like, get shivers as I read it here. I hope you guys enjoy it, too. We're talking about Jesus and how Jesus lived into God's will for his life. Check this out. This is Philippians chapter 2. It'll be up on the screens, or you can turn there. Philippians chapter 2 says this. 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen, Amen church. Today, I want to ask you, are you living in to Christ's will for your life? Jesus Christ was living into God's will for his life. Just think about this verse. Uh, Jesus is equal with God. He is God, but he didn't count equality with God to be grasped, but he humbled himself, right? We need to be humble before God. We need to be asking these questions. God, what do you want to teach me through this? I want to follow after you. And Jesus followed after God to the uttermost, to the place that I would love to say that I could follow God to. He followed him all the way to the point of death, even to the point of death on a cross. You know what's so cool is that wasn't the end. That therefore God highly exalted him, bestowed on him every name, or the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth or under the earth. I want to encourage you guys. We need to follow Jesus' example that he lived into God's will for his life. And we can do the same thing, you and I, as persons. Now, in closing here, I have one last point. One last point for, for boldness. Um, I want you guys to go from here, right? Super Bowl, whatever. Blah. Okay, focus on Jesus, right? Living into his will. One more point for boldness. Maybe you guys are like me. You need a kick in the pants by God or by somebody. Get out there, right? For boldness, okay? For boldness, church. Let's live into, into Christ's will for our life. Here's the last point. You can live into God's will for your life because you, as a Christian, if you're in Christ, you can never die. This is so cool, guys. If you're in Christ, you can never die. What's so cool about the story of Jesus Christ is after he died, right, he was obedient he followed God's will. He, Jesus, Jesus did not stay dead. But he rose from the dead. And he could live into God's will for his life because that, death was not the end. And that's true for me and you as Christians. You know what's so interesting about Moses' story? Moses ended up entering, he never, he, rather, he never entered into the promised land. If you guys know the story. He only saw it. God let him see it from afar. Dang, he never got to get there. Moses did, but on the other hand, I want to say to you, Moses did enter the promised land, amen? He did when he entered into the, the presence of God. Moses didn't know yet, but in Christ, we never die. And that should give us so much boldness, church. They can't do enough to us to defeat us. We're right here. We're standing here. God, give us boldness because in Christ, they can never defeat me. They can never defeat Christ. It doesn't matter what blows they bring against us, church. 
or you as an individual, as you hang out with friends at school, you are with your coworkers, they can never kill you, so be faithful to Jesus Christ. What's so cool is, this is ultimately our hope. One day, we'll grow old, guess what will happen? We'll die, right? It's a natural thing. But in Christ, we'll never die. This is our hope, church. This is our hope. We can live for him. We can walk with him throughout our life, and we can live into God's will for our life. Then we can do it boldly. Because just like Jesus Christ was obedient and rose from the dead after he paid the penalty for our sins, we will rise with him again. Amen, church? Let's go with confidence this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for the story of Moses and just a wonderful story of deliverance, God. And God, I love it that you spoke to him in the wilderness. God, I pray that we wouldn't miss out because we're wrapped up, we're disappointed because we're hitting our head against the wall because we're in the wilderness. But God, I pray that we'd ask the question, God, what are you trying to teach me here? God, I pray that we wouldn't miss out on walking with you, God. That we wouldn't be so filled with self that we would miss this opportunity. God, I thank you that you do have a wonderful will for our lives. And God, when we get to the end, we'll look back and we'll be able to say, here you were. Here at this point you were there. Here at this point you were there. And God, when we struggle with, we don't know what's going to happen. I just pray that we would walk with you, God. You would fill us with boldness, that we would walk with you and live into that will that you've called us to. Thank you for this time, Jesus. Thank you for your word. We pray this in your name. Amen.